0: Well, as things are heating up with the presidential campaign, we hear a lot of fighting going on, huh? And it seems lately they're just fighting over each one's character. Now, we're not here to talk about their character and and what we think about it, but it just highlights the importance of character, what people see. We're actually here to talk about our own character, to ask ourselves, What kind of Christian are we? What do people see in us? You know, sometimes Christianity is is called a way of life. But in reality, it's a life that we are to live. We've been going through a series of messages entitled Believe. And we're focusing on some key things of our faith to help us believe. Today we want to make the connection between believing and living. The Apostle Paul did that when he wrote these words to the Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see the connection between believing in Jesus and living? Paul is going to go on a couple chapters later in that letter and he's going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit and how that is evidence that God is at work in our life. But the question that may come up in our mind is how is he doing that? How is God? working in my life. So today we want to talk about believing and living the fruit of faith. Here are Paul's words that he uses to encourage us in the living of our faith. He said, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, he says, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Now when you think about fruit you might also think about how it's grown and you might think of a tree for example and you know that there is an important and long process to getting that fruit to grow. It starts with the roots in the soil receiving the nutrients, the food, so it can grow. Well, I want to talk to you about the the three-step process. Of cultivating those fruits of the Spirit or fruits of faith in our life it starts with the planting of the Word just like a tree is going to start with the planting of seed so our faith starts with the planting of God's Word his his message of grace and forgiveness in Jesus Christ and and that seed was planted in us Maybe it was planted in us when we were baptized and and God's name was spoken over us. Or maybe it was planted in us when we heard various messages from the Bible. Either way, that was God planting in us new life. James talked about it this way. He said, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So he's simply pointing out that it's God who gave us this spiritual life. He gave us birth when he put that word of his grace into our hearts. The result then would be that we would be first fruits of all he created. That we would be evidence of God's grace in the lives of people. Now. After a seed is planted, it has to be nurtured. And that plant, as it grows, has to be nurtured. There has to be watering. There has to be good soil and nutrients yet. There's got to be some sunshine that comes. So it doesn't just grow by itself. And that's true for our faith, too. It doesn't just grow by itself. In fact, there's nothing we do. It's the Spirit who provides that growth. Because inside of us... There is nothing. There is only unbelief and and wickedness. The Apostle Paul, when he goes on to talk about how this faith is grown, points out what is in our nature as human beings. He says, So I say to you, walk by the Spirit, so that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. And you and I live that out probably every day, right? We feel that conflict between the spirit working in us and our flesh working. He says, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now he said, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, which means like a a wild party life, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So there's nothing inside of us that can prove to God, or that can help God bring about this new life or nurture it. But look at the very next word that Paul has there, but. And with that, he is telling us, here's how new life is brought about. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is. And with that, he's telling us that it's God's Spirit now that nurtures faith in us and brings about the fruit, the blessing, the evidence of God's grace in our lives. And now, this is where you and I go to work. Up to this point, it all has been God's working. And God will continue to work in us these fruits. But now we are to cooperate with the Spirit. We are to help in the harvesting of the fruit. Now, for me, at this time of the year, I'm always reminded about some of the harvesting I had to do as a kid. In our backyard, we had this huge apple tree. And uh, we kids would like to go and climb in the apple tree, but our dad would always tell us we're not supposed to because he didn't want branches broken and he didn't want apples knocked off the tree and such. But when it came to harvest time, he was very eager to have us climb up in the tree because we had to do all the picking of the apples. And who better could get up in all of those little spots than little kids? But it was a special process that we had to use. Uh, We had these backpacks on, except they weren't on our back, they were in our front. And we would have to climb up the tree and pick off the apples and then put them in the backpack or the front pack. Um, But he would tell us, don't just drop them in there, because he didn't want us to bruise them. We had to take care in how we picked them. And then when we brought them down, we weren't simply to empty them out on the table or into the bushel basket. We had to set out each one individually so, again, they wouldn't get bruised. And then my mother would go through and sort them, all the good ones over here that could be eaten, all the ones that maybe were a little bruised or a little wormy or whatever, uh, that could then be used for canning or baking, and then those that were just plain old bad and would be thrown away. After they were all sorted like that, they would then be used for eating or baking and even giving away, as we would have a lot of them, and would give some out to the neighbors. Well, that whole process of harvesting is exactly what God wants us to do with the fruits that his spirit produces in us, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. He wants us to identify them, to use them, and to share them. The Apostle Paul wrote, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's cooperate with what the Spirit is producing in our lives. That's also why the Apostle Paul wrote, be filled with the Spirit, because he's the one who's going to produce this harvest in you. Along with that production of fruit, he also gives this promise. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So in other words, he's simply telling us that we will be blessed through this harvest of the fruits of faith. So that cultivating process is important, recognizing the planting of the word, the nurturing by the spirit, and the harvesting of the fruit. So let's stop for a a couple minutes here and let's just check what that cultivating is like in our own life. And I want to give you three simple words to remember as an evaluation tool here. Kneading, seeding, and weeding. Let's first identify the need that we have for that process. We need the word. We need God to work in our life. The Apostle Paul said, or James rather, said, Therefore, get rid of all the moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. That's the need. The need for us to have God's grace, his forgiveness, and his spirit to work in our life. But there's also that seeding that needs to be done. That is, we need the word of God. What is the planting of God's word like in your life? Well, here you are, and it's being planted in you right now. What is it like during the week? Do you read the scriptures? Do you think about them? Do you attend any Bible classes? By the way, we've got a, I mentioned this last week, we've got a new program starting up in January where we're gonna be starting a lot of new small group Bible studies at different times during the week to get more of you into studying the word. So pay attention as you hear those announcements over the next few weeks to sign up for that. But that's the opportunity to get connected to God's word to have that word planted in your life. Because some weeding has to go on too. Because sometimes it's not just the good seed of God's word that gets planted in our life, but sometimes the bad seed that's out there also gets planted in our life. And then weeds start to grow. I'm talking about things like pride or self-sufficiency. You know, the thoughts that we have sometimes like... uh, you know what, my life is going pretty good. I really don't need to involve God in it right now. I've got everything handled. Or maybe it's, you know what, I'm not sure that all this God stuff is what I need. I think I need some other things right now. And along with that, maybe there's some other things that get tangled up in our life too. Some weeds that prevent the branches from spreading out and fruit from growing. Maybe there's some sin we get caught up in. Maybe there's some distractions that that pull us away from producing the fruit. That needs to be weeded out. That needs to be pruned and cut back and cut off. And then finally, that harvesting. How are you harvesting? And to what extent are you harvesting these fruits that I'm going to be talking about? Now as we do that kind of evaluating or checking, we we might say to ourselves, well, you know, I'm doing pretty good and I'm doing the best I can. That's really, that's all can be expected, the best that I can. Now God understands that we're not going to be perfect. But yet God's standard for us is to be perfect. Our best may not be good enough, but good enough is not good enough. It must be the best. But it's not going to be our efforts. We might ask ourselves with our character, with our fruit, is it sun ripened? And that is, is it Jesus who is in our life? Do we see him as the best? With faith, do we hold on to him and his character, his righteousness to be ours? That's the fruit that God we'll see, and wants us then to grow in. So let's talk now about the fruits of faith, which Paul listed. Love, joy, and peace. Patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as, as we look at each of those things, let's look for the need we have for it, the seed that plants it, and the weeds that sometimes grow up that need to be removed. What we're talking about simply is character, our Christian character. And that list of nine characteristics that Paul gives us, we can group them together in, in three clusters. The first one of, of love, joy, and peace is what I would call characteristics that are God related. That is, these are the direct blessings of our relationship with God. The first one is love. Now, in the Greek language, there are three words for love. And the one that's used here is the one that talks about, always talks about God's love. And then the kind of love that he wants us to have in our life. It's the word agape. You maybe have heard that before. It's a selfless, self-giving sacrificial kind of love. We see our need for that. God saw that need too. That's why God loved the world in such a way that he gave up, he sacrificed his son to be our savior. Jesus demonstrated that own love too when he said, no greater love has anyone than this than that he lay down his life for his friends. And that's exactly the kind of love Jesus demonstrated for us when he gave up his life for us when he died on the cross so that you and I would not have punishment from God but forgiveness and life. It's that kind of love that God now wants us to have in our life. The Apostle John in in his first letter which is preserved in scripture talks about that love. He writes... with actions and in truth and so God is calling us to live out and harvest that fruit of love that he has put in our lives now connected with that is a second fruit which is joy this joy is not simply an outer happiness it's not having a smiley face it's the inner quality of gladness It comes as a result of God's grace. It's it's interesting that this word joy in the original Greek language is closely related to the word for grace. So if you have grace, if you understand and have experienced God's grace, then you have this joy, this, this inner gladness. Now sometimes there are weeds that get in and block that joy, so we think. That is, sometimes there'll be troubles and, and trials in life, and then, you know, we're not happy, and, and that seems to have maybe affected the inner joy that we have. But the Apostle Paul tells us that those troubles and trials in life do not have to block the joy that we have from his grace. Paul knew that. He experienced that very thing. He went through a lot of trials because of his faith. In fact, at one point, he was in jail because of his faith. And when he was in jail, he wrote a letter to the Christians in Philippi. And the whole theme of that letter is joy. Listen to how he encourages us to have joy in the midst of trials. He says, rejoice in the Lord. You see, there's the seed, the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, always, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your minds and your hearts in Christ Jesus. Now you see what he did? He connected the next fruit to that joy, peace. The peace that you and I can have as a fruit of the Spirit is simply that assurance of God's love and blessing in our life. It's peace that comes from knowing our relationship with him has been restored. So we are delivered from and free from worries and sorrows and doubts doubts because we have the assurance of his love and a place in heaven. So that's the first cluster of fruits. The second cluster is patience, kindness, and goodness, which I say are other related fruits. These are fruits that we can display in our relationships with others. Patience, the word in the original language for patience is (laughs) long-suffering. It means putting up with something for a long period of time, it's endurance. It's not quitting, not giving in, not giving up. Just as Jesus was patient with his disciples, just as God is patient with all people, not wanting any of them to perish, but all of them to come to repentance and to be saved. That patience then will show itself in kindness and goodness. I I group those two fruits together because of the way they work. Kindness is an attitude of putting your love in action, and goodness is the act then of kindness, the act of doing something good, something useful, something beneficial for others. The uh, fruit that's pictured there is a, a kiwi fruit. Now, Kiwi fruits, I'm told, have got more vitamin C in them than oranges do. And they also have an antioxidant power for fighting cancer. So that fruit is very beneficial. Notice all those little seeds that are there? Simply a reminder for us that all of our little acts of kindness and goodness to others can be the, the, the vitamins, the antioxidants against sin which is grace for the lives of other people the Apostle James reminds us that every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights in other words God will work through our kindness and goodness to bring his grace to others Finally, that third cluster of fruits is faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are fruits that are related to us, ourself. Faithfulness, you hear the word faith in there, which means trust. Faithfulness is a continued trust. God calls us to be faithful to him, faithful to his word, faithful to others, faithful in marriage. We see that faithfulness displayed in Jesus who remained faithful to his mission despite the suffering he would experience. Who remained faithful so that he would go and endure that suffering and then be acknowledged as the Savior of the world. That faithfulness is displayed in God. Despite our unfaithfulness, he is always faithful to us. And the benefit is Be faithful unto death, and you will receive the crown of life, Jesus said. And so we need to remove the the weeds of unfaithfulness, of distractions and temptations that pull us away from God so that we may stay focused on him. The fruit of gentleness is simply talking about a a humble spirit and the way that that we deal with, with others. Just as Jesus was gentle and humble to come and serve, so it's an attitude inside of us of how we will deal with others. The picture there of a fruit, a fruit is peach. The peach is something that can bruise very easily. You have to be gentle with it. And so we are to be gentle in our actions with others. And then the last fruit is that of self-control. Control over yourself. Your attitudes, your thoughts, your passions, your appetites. It means fighting against temptation. Fighting to keep sin out. If you want to have a good picture of self-control, look at this. (laughs) Do you think he was taught some self-control? And probably he was taught with the word no over and over again. huh? And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul teaches us that the grace of God instills in us. He said the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and savior, Jesus Christ. On Monday morning, our men's Bible class, and then on Wednesday morning, the women's Bible class, are studying the book of Proverbs. Wise saying for wise living. And here's one that I thought was good about self-control. I know you're all looking at the picture of that food first, aren't you, though, right? Doesn't that look good? But the words of the Proverbs say, better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. In other words, you will gain more in life. You will be blessed more when you have self-control and follow the ways of God. So those are the fruit of the Spirit that God wants us to have in our life. It's all His way of producing that character of Christ in us. To encourage that in you this morning, after the service we have a little snack for you, a little fruit salad. And as you get some of that fruit, look for the different fruits that are in there and remind yourselves of that fruit that God wants to harvest in your life. You know, sometimes as a church, we focus on the gifts of the Spirit. That is, how God has gifted us with different talents or abilities to do things to serve him. And that's good. But those gifts can only be effective and used well when we harvest first these fruits of the Spirit. Imagine what your life would be like. Imagine what work would be like. Imagine what school would be like. Imagine what your marriage, your relationship with others would be like if you harvested that fruit. I can tell you what it would be like. You'd be blessed. Amen.